We're going to talk the battle of hope, will, and purpose. Uh, and I, I, we all have a purpose in our life. And these things of will and hope, which I've been talking about, and, and we've got to rebuild hope, they all play a factor into how we operate. <clears throat> a lot of times, uh, in fact, uh, Ralph brought up the, the message that I preached pregnant quite a while now about the buckets and how there's different arenas in our life. We have a tendency to just look at our life as a whole. But really, there's dynamics that are going on within our life that we can easily overlook if we just look at our, our, um, ourself as a whole. So we're going to go to Jeremiah 1.5. So jump over there. And um, thank you. Remember, uh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, if we hit that spot. Woo! Let's get engaged with the message, all right? So we're going to start off here, Jeremiah 1.5. If we're going to look at our life, we have to have a perspective of our life. And uh, so in, in, in uh, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, let's, let's stop here. The word of the Lord came unto me, that's verse 4, saying, and this is Jeremiah, and we can easily think that this verse 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, is only about Jeremiah. It's not. The Bible says uh, over in the Timothys, all scripture, this is scripture, is profitable. So it's not just speaking. What he's saying to Jeremiah, he's saying to you also. Amen. Before God formed you in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now again, a person might say, well, I wasn't ordained a prophet unto the nations, but let's look at this. So we need to have a starting place when we look at our lives. In this verse, the starting place is where? It's not found in the details of your life. It was before he formed you. Now, it, so I, I put it up here. It starts with the blueprint. So before I formed thee in the belly, that's the blueprint. Now, most of us, when we look at our lives, we look at, you know, since whatever our birthday is and, and what we've experienced. But, but life happens. But God, before life started happening, had a plan for us. And so we've got to get back to the blueprint if we're, we're going to see where we're going to go and we're going to, and we're going to see the, the life that God created. Now, God formed us and knew us. That includes all the circumstances and decisions we would make. So he knew. Anybody here ever done stupid one time? Okay, he knew you were going to do that before you ever did it. He actually died on the cross before you ever did it to, so that you can be forgiven of what you were going to do later. And, and we've all been, you know, we have all these sayings. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, we say about ourselves. But all that's a bunch of nonsense. God had a blueprint before we ever came into existence of who we are. He formed us and knew us. So we, you know, again, we say things like, you, you just don't understand me. I tell you, God understands you. Somebody might not, but God does. And so uh, let's look at this verse. He says he sanctified us. So before he formed us in the womb, he sanctified us. To sanctify means to set apart. He set us apart for something before you and I were ever born. Before your mom and dad ever talked about having kids. Before anything ever happened, he knew and he set us apart. 
Now, this is what God wants us to walk in, is what he has, what he has planned for us. Then he said he ordained us. To be ordained means to be appointed. These are only a few of the words that is in the, uh, uh, the definition of ordained. Appointed, established, and settled. And I added in the matter. He settled the matter of you before you were formed in the womb. The matter settled. So I just don't know if I can walk in these. The, the matter is set, settled. He ordained you for it. He set you apart to accomplish what he wanted, and then he ordained or appointed you for that thing. So now, now we get down, you know, I'm 60 uh, years old. We get down 60 years in life or whatever your age is and say, well, you know, uh, yeah, I missed it somewhere, and, you know, it just is what it is. Do you know it never is what it is? There's always a plan that God's working on getting us back to, if we'll listen. So he ordained us, and he said, I'll make you a prophet. Now, this word prophet, a lot of people get into, you know, uh, positions and stuff like that, but really what, what prophet means in the Old Testament is a mouthpiece. I've ordained you to be a mouthpiece. Do you know that's not just Jeremiah, that's you and me also? He wants us to speak and declare what he's done in our life. Your testimony is the strongest thing you have to talk about. And a lot of people hide from their testimony. When you, when you start speaking, you're, you're, you're being a prophet for God. You're, you're being a mouthpiece for God. You're telling of his goodness and of his glory. Uh, now, there is, uh, you know, prophecies and, you know, the, the uh, five ascension gifts prophet and the, the nine uh, uh, spiritual gifts prophets, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's, in, with Jeremiah, he was talking about, I'm going to make you a mouthpiece for me. I'm going to have you declare what I say. Now, it worked differently in the Old Testament than the New, but it literally means a mouthpiece. And so <clears throat> you and I are all sanctified, ordained, and, and made a mouthpiece for God. Now, we might choose not to yield ourselves to him, and refuse what he wants us to do, which now becomes the exertion of our will over his will. And as I've been saying frequently here recently, I'm starting to see the Bible in a whole new context of everything is a battle of the will. My will versus his will. Now he tells us, if we're going to look at this and we're going to try to get to a destination, what do I have to deal with? Would I, I've got to go back beyond the circumstances of my life to when he knew me and set something up. And so... Uh, um, so let's go over to Jeremiah 29, 11. Probably most of you know it by heart, but we'll go over and uh, uh, look at it here real quick. Amen. It's a very uh, familiar verse with most people that's been a Christian for a while. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So here we see that God says that he has an expected end for us. Now, who? Here, here's the interesting thing, if I could use a story analogy. He wrote a story for us, and for most of us, we're writing a story for us. I, I can help you with something. His story's better. We, we ought to get off of writing our story and find out what his story is, that he's written about us. Now, according to this verse, God is constantly thinking about us. Here's the great thing about it. He's not thinking about all the stupid things that we're thinking about Amen. of what we did. Yeah, thank God. You know what he's thinking about? The expected end. Thoughts of good. He planned a good plan for us. He wrote a good story for us. And uh, uh, he's, he's, he's strategizing, if I can use my words, I doubt he's really strategizing because he knows what he's going to do. But in my vernacular, he's strategizing on how to get us where he, to where he ordained us. Have you ever felt God pulling you to go a certain way and you fought it? 
battle of will and God trying to God trying to get us in what he ordained and sanctified us to do. He's pre, predetermined a place and expected end that is prepared for us. Now, what am I talking? I'm talking kind of really if I if I could summarize it in kind of modern words. I'm talking about your journey of life. A lot of people don't know where they're going. They've got no end goal of where they want to get to, but God does, because God understands this is how we happen. So we have to ask ourselves, what hinders us? And we've got to be honest with ourselves about what hinders us, uh, because there are hindrances. I mean, did, did God plan for us to be broke? Did God plan for us to be depressed? Did God plan for us to be sick? Did God plan for us to be broken? Did God plan for us to be emotionally unstable? No. Everything in his word is about good. So we're not in, if we're not in the fullness of what he's done, then there's been obstacles, there's been hindrances, and we've got to figure out what the hindrances are. Am I pushing the wrong button there? So there are obstacles that we've got to deal with. There's like uh, Ralph's box up here. Uh, when I came up here, I said, don't forget to take your mind with you. And, um, uh, but you know that there's obstacles in our thinking which are very closely connected to our identity, how we see yourself. You know, you ask most people, who are you? And they might say, well, I'm a, and say their career, or something, you know, that's external from who they are. Most Christians, if you, if you ask them, who are you? They don't say, well, I'm a Christian. They, they go to some other identif- identifiable component. You ask a Muslim who they are, they'll first say that I'm a Muslim be, because their belief system has is tied into uh, their identity. That's where a lot of people miss it. Is uh, we have, if we don't identify, well, let's let's go this direction. Who does God say we are as as kind of more of a title or position? Priest, and what's the other one? Okay, there's another one that talks about ambassadors. There's priests. There's kings, sons and daughters. But how come we don't act? We, we might say, well, he's my father, heavenly father. But wait a minute. If you have a father who's good and who owns everything that's been created, why do we act like a stepchild, the unwanted stepchild? See, that's an identity issue. We, we have a hard time functioning in the identity of who he said that we are. We identify with this. This is the thing that I get after people when they have something attacking their body. Don't call it yours. But see, what happens is they have taken an identity with that disease and they'll say, my heart issue, my pancreas issue, or, you know, whatever it is that they're dealing with. Don't take that identity. That, that's a foreigner trying to, to get into your body and to overthrow you. you. You aren't brothers with it. You aren't sisters with it. Okay, but we, will I, well, easily, I, how many people will say, well, I, you know, I'm poor, but praise God, my heavenly father's rich. Well, what's, what's wrong with your relationship with him? Oh, no, I got a great relationship with him. Well, why are you poor and he's rich? See, it's an identity issue. And, and a lot of these things we gloss over and we don't think it's really that important, but it is important on the inside. See, it, do, do you think, now he, now he's a king. I always use Prince Charles because we thought that the, his mom was going to live till she was 150 or, or something like that. And, uh, but he was Prince Charles at the time. Do you think he was acting like he wasn't a prince? Never. He had no problem with the fact, other than his mom was living too long, uh, he had no problem with the fact of, uh, of being a prince. Do you know that if he wanted to go wherever he was at and he wanted to go over there like to the other side of you know, the UK or something like that, he would actually like call the Air Force and expect them to bring a helicopter to pick him up? 
that, that's an identity. We say things about God that, you know, he's our heavenly father. And, you know, a lot of people like say he's my brother and, uh, and all these things. Well, if he's your brother, you know, uh, how come your mother didn't like you? How come your father didn't like you? Because you ain't walking in the same thing as him. Or he, we're a friend. Uh, well, you ought to listen to him because he's doing better than you. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You're just staring at me for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, there, there's an identity in this. That identity, our thinking about things, creates obstacles of getting to his destination that he created for us. There's, there are obstacles from external sources uh, also, things that we have to battle. Maybe we grew up in a, uh, in a, in a very rough life, and we, we took on the, the identity of it, and now we, we've allowed that to assign what we are. Uh, in life, but, and it was external from you, but, you, but we yielded ourselves to it. Very natural thing, not dogging somebody for it. It's very, that's what humans typically do. A small percentage looks at it, so I'm not going to allow this to define me, and they'll rise above it, but the vast majority of humans will just fall into it. Uh, this is one of the, the problems within, it, it amazes me in Africa, because in Africa, they will literally have all night, at least the churches that we, we affiliate with in Africa, they will literally have an all night prayer meeting. So that's like from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And you know what they do for those 12 hours? They pray. Now, how many is going to show up if we call one of those? We've got three or four. Good. But, but their church is filled. They're prayers. And I tell you what, they're not afraid of devils. And they have real devils over there. As one missionary said, we get the devils that couldn't make it in foreign countries. Uh, you know, they, they got the real devils. And in Africa, the continent was called the dark continent, not because of skin color, but because of demon, the demons that were there. They're, they're not afraid of demons. They're the ones I've seen. I mean, they'll, they'll cast them out in a heartbeat. They'll look them straight in the face. But they cannot gain victory over the economics of the, the area that they live in. They're born poor. They're raised poor. They live poor. But wait a minute. The same God that says, I give you power to tread upon demons, is the same God that says, you can have all sufficiency in all things. We all have arenas in our life that we have submitted our identity to when Christ has given us the power to overthrow that we're not exercising the overthrow. In fact, in the perspectives class, they were talking about William Carey and how that he read Matthew chapter 28 and saw said, go into all nations, uh, baptizing, uh, you know, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost and the uh, disciple of the nation. I can't quote it by heart out. I'm going blank on it. But anyway, he saw that they were making disciples, but that we weren't going into all nations. So he's he was saying that, well, if, if we believe to make disciples because we're making disciples, how come in the same verse it says, go into all nations and we're not going into all nations? And the elders of the church rebuked him. He was a young man. And then they, they came back later and said something like, you know, I, I think you're onto something here. Why don't we you know, talk about this? So that's where the, his mission effort started when he went to India and stuff like that. But when he was doing that, I was thinking, I wonder why they didn't go to a step further where it says, all authority has been given to me. Because a lot of these people went over and died. They had no authority over the thing. They had a revelation on this, and they had a revelation on this, but then they left off on here. So now we got a thinking problem. We can't, like what Ralph was talking about, excellent uh, word on the, the offerings tonight. You, if you can't see it, you can't operate in it. And so the, the one thing that we have to do is we, we need to be honest with ourselves on there's obstacles internal and external, and I need to deal with them if I'm going to get where, he, uh, where God wants to take us. So let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. 
Is this making any sense? All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And this is my introduction, you know, that it, we, I'm trying to lay a foundation here of if we're going to get someplace. I, I was greatly encouraged with uh, Dr. Bill Winston's frustration tonight. Uh, as I was putting my, my notes together and stuff like that, and I had him streaming. They have a live service. You know, he comes on at about 4.30 our time. Uh, and, and he was very frustrated. He says, I'm, I don't remember the exact, exact words. I'm going to put my words on it. I'm frustrated. I don't think he used the word frustrated. Uh, because I, I'm, I'm giving you these words of life, but I'm not seeing people step up. And I, and I can't figure out how to, how to get it where you guys, you, you, you come in here. He says, you know what? He says, Sunday's message. He says, I'm on my fifth time listening to it. He preached it. He says, I'm getting revelation from it. He says, I've listened to it for him. I'm on my fifth time listening to it. Some of y'all just listened to it once because you're just coming to hear somebody preach, but you're not trying to get yourself up into this, this realm that I'm trying to uh, get you to where you can see you have more power than what you're walking in. And uh, <clears throat> I took glory in that. Uh, Ephesians 1.4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, Ephesians corresponds with, with Jeremiah, although it takes it back even further, it takes it back to um, before the foundation of the earth. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, before you were formed in the womb. Well, how that works is, when was before you were formed in the, the womb? 20 minutes before? 300 years before? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's, it was before the foundation of the earth. Because that's what Ephesians comes back and says. According as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of, of children. So here in Ephesians, Paul tells us that in God's plan for us, that he put together the plan or the journey of our life was established or ordained, using Jeremiah's words, before the foundation of the world. So you and me... There was a blueprint set up before you and me ever got here. God knew who we were. So whatever problem that you're, you're faced with today, whatever difficulty you're facing with today, whatever challenge is coming your way, God knew because he had a blueprint and he settled the matter when he sanctified, ordained, and made you a mouthpiece. You got to start speaking the word of God. So the obstacles, all obstacles of life are designed to get us off track of God's plan in this fallen world. Everything that the enemy, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He, he, the, the fallen nature of what sin has produced in this world is all distraction and things for the kill, steal, and destroy operation of John 10.10. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I made it, there was a plan made before the foundation of the earth, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I ordained you, I sanctified you, I've got a destination uh, th that is a good end. Did I just do that? Uh, can you put it back on? I don't know what I did. Yeah, we're good. So the obstacles are all, all designed to get us off track. So let's go to Philippians 1.6. My last verse in my introduction. My introduction's been 30 minutes. Usually when I put my post-it notes in here, it gives me a little bit of help of separating the pages. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what we see here now is that Jesus stands ready to get us back to his place. Jesus stands ready to get us back to his place as soon as we are. As soon as we're ready, he's ready. He stands ready to bring us back to that place. According to this verse, he didn't put age limits on it, did it? He didn't put country limits on it. 
He didn't put any limits on it. He put, he stands ready. And basically what it comes down to is you and I, when are we ready? So the, the key ingredient is our will versus his will. That, that's the whole battle that I, I keep seeing in this thing. Our will versus his will. The reason that we lose hope is because we follow our will, which separates us from his will, and it takes us into the realm where darkness operates. In fact, if you actually look at this in one thing, it's, this is super simple. Now, you've got to fight your emotions and your feelings, but it's super simple. Do what he says. It'll work, because he said it would work. His plan is to get us where he wants to go. So we are in control of our will. God is not going to make you do anything. The devil can't make you do anything. The devil, through cunning craftiness, trickery, things like that, can, can persuade you and, and get you into your emotions and move. God will never exert his will over you and make you do something. And, and I've said it many times, and I'm correcting my doctrine. I've said it, I don't know how many times. You and I are not sovereign. We're subject to something. But now I see in this will, we are sovereign. God has created in the image of God because God has a will also that he has given me the right to make a decision. You and I are living in the sum total of our decisions. And if you have a victim mentality and you like to blame other people, you're just deceiving yourself. I'm not saying bad things haven't happened to us. I'm saying we made the decision on how to respond to it. We are where we're at. So if we are where we're at, all we got to do is get back. And the word of God we just read says, Jesus stands ready to get us back. All right, so I got a couple of self-examination questions here, and I want you to take it serious. One thing I found about people is when I ask questions on self-examination, they don't ex they're not good examiners because they like to say things, well, no, you don't understand, I had to. You don't have to do anything. Okay, let's try that again. People will say things like, well, I had to. You don't understand, I had to. You don't have to do anything. Now, not doing it may be hard. I didn't say it wasn't hard. You are in control of the decision of what you're going to do. Thank you. Wait for a few more. Amen. Praise the Lord. Self-examination. See, if it's true, if external things have the power to control you in the sense that you, it takes away your will of choice and, and causes you to do things, then the whole system of God doesn't work because you're subject to somebody else. You and I are in complete control. Whatever your experience, the things that you hate, the things that you love, that's going on in your life, you did it. I did it. No, 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 no. What they did, you, you just wait and let me tell you what they, what, no. In life, it's, life is decisions. So let's get to a couple of my questions. Can our life really be different in a better way? Okay, but don't say it out of your brain. I, I want you to bring it down to your life. Take the area that's not working, the area that you hate. Can it really be different? Now that, we know that all things are possible. Okay, but is it possible for you? Because it might take you adjusting you to make it happen. And if you're not willing to do the adjustment, it ain't going to happen. So the question in the, in the in, this is my self-examination question, you've got to answer it. Can my life, now, now what I just brought into her is my decision on will. Have you ever been like just really hurt by somebody that you don't want to be around them? Can I go talk to them again? See, now, you, now there's a battle going on inside of you. No, I think if I saw them, I'd slap their face. Okay, so, so now the possibility, self-examination, can my relationship with that person really be different? It just took on a whole new dy dynamic. So you've got to get down where you're at and what you're battling. We know what the Bible says up here, and we've got some faith in the Word of God that things can happen, 
but can I play my part in making it happen? James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. You will see that I believe what God said by what I do. Am I will, really willing to do that? And that's where, the, uh, that's where the questions. Now, if we came back to him and we did determine that, yes, it really can change, what would it look like? See, and we've got to be honest with it. Most people can't articulate what they want it to look like. They want to... Uh, do you want anything to be changed in your, your life? Oh, yes, absolutely. What do you want? I want more money. Okay, what, what does that look like? More money? Yeah, yeah, no, I understood what you said, but what does it look like and why? Uh, well, more money. See, it, I, I've got no picture of what or why I want more money. I just want more money because life would be easy, even under the deception of if you got more money, your life would be exactly the same way as it is right now because it's not a money issue. It's, it's a person issue. If your income doubled right now, within six months to a year, you'd be back in the exact same financial position you're in right now. They prove it. Uh, something like 80, 90% of big lottery winners are bankrupt within like three years or dead. They, they, it, it does, money is not the issue. It's, it's who I am and what I do. So what would it look like? Proverbs 29.11 says, without a vision, people cast off restraints or they lose the discipline. If you don't know where you're going, according to the Bible, then you're not going to be disciplined enough to get there. People want things to change. They are unwilling to do what it takes to change. And what they want is really a welfare system with God. God, you change it and just give it to me and let me live in it. I'm not going to do anything for it. I don't want to have to deal with the hard conversation or walk through the emotional struggle to fix these things. You just fix it for me so I don't have to do it. So could you specifically verbalize what your life would look like? And again, most people can't. They know that this needs to be fixed and they know that that is not like the way that it should be. And you know, this part's working okay. And do you know that there's really only seven parts of your life? I'm going to get to that. It's actually a lot easier than people think. But, see, a lot of people think that, you know, I'll go back to the more money. I need more money, but they, but they don't know what that means. So, well, well, I, I want to be able to travel, and I want to go do this, and, and my car is old, and I want to get a new car, and, but they actually don't know what kind of car they want or how much it costs or what they need to get there. And so they look at all these things that have nothing to do with the, the information. All you need to do is get your money right, and you'll have the money for the things that you want to do. Life is actually really not complicated. So Habakkuk 2.2 says, write or articulate the vision and make it plain. That somebody else can read it and run with it. So if we don't know, this is Bible verse, that my life should be so clear on where I'm going and what I'm wanting to do, that if somebody else read my plan, they could run with it and do the same thing. So we come back to, see, most people don't think enough about their own life, and they can't figure out why life is such, such a struggle. Because there's dynamics that are working within us that are all based on the Bible. So I'm going to explore two quotes here. I want you to try to apply them into your life. So the first quote is, The quality of our entire life is determined by the quality of our habitual emotions. We, we live in a very emotionally driven world. People have dominant emotions in their life. Whatever is the most dominant emotion in your life is going to establish the quality of your life. Does that make sense? So here's my question to you. 
Where is your home? Now, I'm not talking about where you, you know, your bed is and stuff like that. Where is your emotional home? Where is your place of default that you're going to go back to? Because, see, we all have a habitual emotional place. That's where our home is. That's, that's where we default back to. See, this is why uh, people don't think about these things. Like, say, like, if they're trying to lose weight, they get on a diet or whatnot, and they, they fail at all these diets. It's because they go back to their habitual home. They, they don't change the way they operate. Now, they all got excuses. Don't have time, don't have money, don't have this, don't have that, don't have, you know, they, they all have the excuses why they don't. Same thing with exercise. Uh, you know, uh, case in point here. Starts exercising, you know, it lasts for a week, week and a half, and then I'm off, and I can, say, I, I can easily say, well, I don't have time. But we make time for what we, what we view as important, and our emotional home has within it what is important to us. Okay, so where is your, don't, don't speak it out loud, but where is, your, where is your default place? You know, your default place could be, uh, in many areas, it could be anger. Have you ever met somebody that they're just like angry all the time? Okay, it's not that the world is so bad. I mean, the world is bad, but, but it's they found this habitual emotion in anger, and they're, they're getting something out of it. What about frustration? You ever meet anybody that's frustrated all the time? What about people with control? They try to control everything, don't they? Their, their habitual emotion place is in that realm of control, and if they ever get out of it. Now, uh, lonely. You ever met somebody who's lonely? Yeah. They, now, you can, get, you can get out of this state. So let's say take a, a lonely. You get around something, you start doing something, you're around a bunch of people, and all of a sudden you're not lonely. You're enjoying the day and everything like that, and then all of a sudden that stops. Where are you going to go? Back to lonely. You might, uh, uh, anger. You might get somebody that, that has anger issues. And all of a sudden, something good's going on. They get engaged with it. They're not angry. They go for an hour, an hour and a half. And then all of a sudden, boom, something ticks them off. Because we seek to get back to where we're comfortable. Now, I'm going somewhere on this, on the, the Word of God. Amen. Here's, here's my second quote, all right? The second quote is, our brains find... Actually, I don't know if this is a quote more than a, actually a scientific fact. I can't pronounce the word, but there's a part of our brain that actually does this. Our brains find what we tell it to look for. Now, I know you're not sitting there going, brain, find me a hot dog, you know, or, or, or something like that. What we have told our brain is in what we're seeking for. So the person that's in anger, their, their brain actually kicks in to find something to be angry about. It's amazing how angry people can find something to get angry about. Controlling people can find something to get controlling about. Jealous people. I mean, they, they get jealous over the weeds. I mean, they just, you know, it, it just, it, it's a, their brain, once you start going a direction and you tell your brain to look for something, and, and I know it's not a verbalization, but you are looking for something, a victim, a, a victim mentality, they're always looking at what is being done against me. The conversation might not be about them at all, but they'll find it and make it about them. Why? Because they, they've, they've told their brain, find things that I can become a victim in. They've told their brain, find things that I can be angry about. Find things that I can get jealous over. Find things that I can get my hand in and try to control. Whatever the emotional uh, resting place. This is the home that I was talking about. I forgot to make these fonts higher. I can't hardly see it. Okay, so I want to tie the two, uh, the two quotes together as a Christian. We come to Christ. I don't know if you can see that or not. We come to Christ. If you're sitting in the back, there's a TV up there. It's on there too. 
Uh, we come to Christ and focus on getting the spirit born again, right? Isn't that what the church is all about? Get the spirit born again? Then fail to reset our place of habitual returning. Because the whole Bible, our brain's emotions are looking for something outside of Christ. We get born again, but we don't deal with this reset, this place of habitual, uh, uh, this uh, habitual place that we return to. And so now we've got this conflict in our life of I'm trying to push forward to God, but I keep finding myself in other problems. Because there's a place that unless we deal with it, we, we, will, we will return to that place. This is getting back into the Bible. This is the focus of the words in Christ, finding fullness in him. If we can reset our place of returning to in Christ, now, what we're, what we're going to do is tell our brains, look for the way to get back in Christ. Because we have things that's pulling us all different ways, all right? And it will pull us, try to pull us out. But if our, if our mind is set, no, i got to get back in Christ because that's where it works. Now, I'm not trying to get God to do something. I'm trying to keep myself in what God has already blessed and made to work. Does it make sense? Yeah. All right, so in Christ should be what we are looking for and should be the place of, her, of our habitual returning. Uh, so I'm going to give you two scriptures to support this. Isaiah 26.3 Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him, for he trusteth in him. Okay. So he's telling us here, Old Testament, that if that we've got to train ourselves to keep our focus on him, and in keeping our focus on him, we will constantly return. We'll actually train our thinking uh, to the place that if we get out of him, our mind will be looking for a way to get back into it, to get back to it. That, that has to become our, our comfortable place. This is a problem. Now, in the breakdown of this word, <clears throat> thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. The word perfect there is the Strong's Hebrew word. Uh, the reference is H757965. And it's shalom. Okay, here's a few of the words that describe the, word, the Hebrew word shalom. Peace. If you're in peace, are you in depression? Are you in frustration? No. Shalom is, well, in fact, one person's definition of shalom was nothing missing, no, nothing broken, complete wholeness. Peace. Prosperity. Success. Welfare. State of health. Friendliness. Deliverance. Salvation. Thou shalt keep him in Shalom. Now, peace, perfect peace, is actually Strong's Hebrew word H7965, the exact same word. So in the original Hebrew text, it shall, uh, English Hebrew, thou shalt keep him in shalom, shalom. So now the, the inference on this of the double meaning is it's, it's a bolding it in writing. It's putting an exclamation mark on shalom. It's an emphasis on the word thou shalt keep him in shalom. Do you understand? Perfect wholeness, completeness, peace of mind, prosperity. Thou shalt keep him in complete wholeness. If you keep your mind stayed on him. It's, it's an emphatic, emphasized word on how to do that. So now th this, this place of habitation that we have to come back to is this place of shalom, this place of peace. That, that if we ever start getting frustrated, our mind should kick in, get back in him to the to, and make it a default setting. Have you ever had on your computer, uh, you know, your, your font was defaulted Arial and you didn't like Arial, so you find the font that you like and then you hit make it default? Now your, your computer is always going to default back to the new one that you put on there? 
That, that's basically the same thing. We've got to reset our default. Now, if our mind is stayed because we trust him, and it's, it's a continuation, or uh, if we keep our mind stayed, that means, you know, the verse goes on to say, because we trust him, that's speaking of a continuation in a specific place, in Christ. If my mind is stayed on him. So now, so our mind must look for this place so that it becomes the place of habitual habitation, our default home. This is where the struggle is. My heart desires to pursue God, but it's defaulted over here that takes me out of God. And I, I'm, I'm, why can't I get God to answer my prayers? Why, well, I, I, you know, I'm trying. It's trying, but, but we don't understand the dynamic that's going on in our life. Now, Colossians 3, chapter 2. I could probably quote it, but let me just go to it in case I mess it up because I got two verses there. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2. If you be risen with Christ. So now, we, first thing we see is if. If it's the result of a condition of will. You're either going to be risen or you're not going to be risen, not based on, on what God's doing, based on what you're doing. Ephesians chapter 1 said he was risen, seated at the right hand of the Father, and we were set in him. If you will. I'm, I'm taking Colossians and putting it into uh, Ephesians. If you will. See, but if we don't deal with our default setting, then it is an act of will to not reset. To, and, and what we have to do is we have to look at our life. So the habitual habitation should be a place of above where he resides. Let's keep reading. If you then be risen with Christ, th seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Uh, Ralph was talking about this with, uh, can you see it? There, there's a realm that we can operate in. There's a realm that if we can see it, we can operate that the invisible realm is more real than the natural realm. But in most Christians' life, the natural realm is more real than the, the, in, uh, the invisible realm. Then he goes on to say, set your mind, your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So the location comes from where the mind is set. So again, we go back. Lonely people set their mind. They just ponder lonely things. Uh, depressed people just think about negative things and what's going on. Uh, angry people just think about the things that anger them. We're all setting our minds somewhere, and that's where we start living. So we, we've got to look. At, God didn't design this life to be so hard. Now, verse 2 said, we control the set which is, again, a function of our will. Set your mind on things above. So, so we've got to function from the invisible realm so that we can make this uh, operate correctly. So our journey, and can, I messed up on that. Uh, I go back to my question. Can, I don't know why can got in the middle of the, the sentence. Can our journey be better? Our journey, and it can be better. Oh, maybe I was making a statement. This is our journey of how do we do this? And yes, it can be better, is, is probably what I was thinking when I was thinking. I don't know. I needed a bouncy one there, so we would have paid attention to the bounce and not to the words. Okay, so what's the problem? Me. It does come down to me. But do I understand me? Okay, you can't see that, can you? Guess what? I got paper so you can see it up close. So this is a chart. Now, hold the page uh, in landscape. That's going to be the correct way to, to see it if you hold it in landscape. And what this chart is, is it describes the seven areas of our life. I've, I put the, the areas of our life in the order that I feel uh, that it's important. But if you see on there where the really dark, bolded uh, lines making the pie are, those three sections, uh, those I'm, I'm, that's open to debate. 
uh, in my book. But I've got a rationale for what I'm thinking. All right, so the first one is your spiritual life. Now, I've got a rhyme and a reason for why I, I, I line these up. Obviously, we're Christian, and obviously, I believe that the things of God come first. So our spiritual life, if you don't have your spiritual life in order, uh, you can, I mean, you can live your life without God, but we're, we're talking from the context of God. So if your spiritual life's not in order, the rest of your life's not going to be in, in order. The second one is the, the mind, the will, and the emotion, which the Bible calls the soul of man. Uh, this is our thinking. This is where our mind will, this is where our will operates in and, uh, and our emotions. You know, the Bible talks about the soul a lot. I wish that you would prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. Uh, the, the spirit of the man and the mind, in the mind realm, soulish, all my, all my elements up to this point in my foundation is about the soul. It's very, very important. But, but even if you get your, your mind right, but you're not born again and you don't have your spirit right, it's not going to work. So that's why I put it, put it second. Although in the Christian life, uh, if you don't get your soul in the right place, you're going to struggle in these, these areas. The third one is physical body. Now, this is where, you know, things can almost guess. I, I would stick by the physical body. The Bible says exercise profits little, okay? So I, I'm not a big advocate, you can probably tell, um, that, I, that I don't spend a lot of time in the gym. Um, but, um, but if you're not healthy, nothing else is going to work. I mean, there, there is a component that we need to watch our health to a degree. Some people go overboard on it and uh, uh, whatnot. But um, it, it is very important. And, and like I you know, if we go down the rest of them, like the next one's relationships. If, if you're sick, broken, and, and everything's about taking care of you, you're not going to have a great relationship anyway. I mean, th th it just plays a part in every arena of our life. Now, now we get into the third broken ones, and these can be up for subjection, uh, is our relationships. Uh, because, <clears throat> you know, why, why didn't I put the relationship above the other ones? Well, you can have a relationship over God, but your, your relationship's not going to work very well. So if you, from the standpoint of my spirit well-being, my mind well-being, and being, you know, physically able, I'm looking in the broad picture of it, uh, you know, the, to, to, to interact and whatnot in relationships. Uh, if you're just laying in a bed and you can't get out of bed, you're not going to have many relationships. So that, that's kind of my mindset on it, not that I'm, I'm making one lesser or the other. I'm looking more at functionality. Time. I put time next. You know, really, time could come before a relationship because if you spend all your time doing something else, you're not going to have a relationship. But that's where I, you know, relationships, I would say, is more, is, is more important than, than time. But I, I could see somebody making the case, well, I think time is more important. Even work, career, and mission. Now, that shouldn't be a priority in life, but we have to work, correct? I mean, we have to have something. Now, there's three arenas there, if you understand it. Work is different than career which is different than mission. Work is you just got a job and you're trading time for a paycheck. You probably hate it, but you do it because you have to. A career is something that you probably planned from high school, went to college for it, you know, prepped for it, you're trying to do something, there's a, there's a pathway that you want to take and you're on a career path. A mission is more like you want to stop human trafficking. And so you go out and you work in an arena where you have a mission to save something, to do, save some people, to do something, or something like that. That's all going to also be uh, a factor in this because, uh, I don't know, it's kind of smart in the logic task-oriented 
portion of me is that it, it could easily be moved up front because it's definitely going to dictate your time and what type of relationships you're going to develop. So, so again, I'm not prioritizing these from, a, um, from what is the most important other than spirit and soul. Uh, I'm prioritizing is from a logical standpoint of task of making life work. What do we need to consider? And then it goes on to finances. Notice I put money last. Uh, most people have money way up front and they chase money. I did that for a long time. It doesn't work. Uh, now we need money and, and it, it, it's, it's a function. But if you look at this seven, seven realms of your life, you have a spirit, you have a mind, you have a, a physical body, you have relationships, time, work, career, mission, and finances. Uh, you, you get to make up what you want your life to look like, like how you're going to build it. But these are the seven components. Now, what I want you to do, if you look in the very middle of it, oh, I, I've got a laser on this thing. Let me see if I can do it. No, I can't see red. Okay. Um, if you look at the very middle right here, it says 0%. Mm -hmm. And then if you go out to the outside, it says 100%. I want you to take, and uh, um, you know, I don't have enough papers, I know, but if you're sharing with somebody, kind of pencil in how much of a percentage, zero to 100. Let me help you on one thing. Nobody's 100% on anything because there's always something that you can improve upon. I mean, maybe on, on, on your body, you might be in peak health and you could you know, ramp that one up to 100, but there's always something that we can do. But, but just kind of mark in there how you feel. So let, like my spiritual life, uh, do I feel like I'm walking in everything with God that God wants me to? Probably not. Um, I don't think I'm a zero, uh, but so I'm somewhere in between there. Maybe I'm at a 50%, maybe I'm at a 20%, maybe I'm at a 75%. There's not a, not a right or wrong answer, but just go in there and mark it where you think you would be. Go to your mind, your will, and your emotion. How, how is your mind, will, and emotion in the things of God, you know? Uh, these identity things, uh, Ralph brought up, and believe me, Ralph and I didn't talk. He didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't know he was putting his mind in a box. And, uh, uh, but but he, he showed how, like, when his mind was in the box, his number would be very low because he was bound. In fact, I think he called it a prison. Didn't you call it a prison? Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so how, you know, put on there where you think you're at on mind. Well, uh, physical body. Like I said, somebody may hit 100, but I don't think they're in this room. Uh, where, you know, where do, you, where do you think you're at on the physical body? Thank you, Pastor. Uh, your relationships. How, how's your relationship life? Uh, if you're married, is it what you want it to be? If you're not married, are you doing what you're, you're wanting to do? So, so where are you at on the relationship? Uh, I, I would venture to say painting with a broad brush, most people are really low on your time. Most people major on minors. They're busy, so they might say that that I've got, but busy does not equal happy, successful, or, or anything like that. Do you control, I, I'm very much a person, I would rate actually very high on this. I control my time. I live by a calendar. I live, that's one of the greatest things on a phone is uh, reminders and alarms and different things. I, I schedule my day. My day does not control me. I, I, I have a list uh, of what my, my list is written for tomorrow already. I know what I, I need to do. I know what's going to happen. Um, I, I live by a, a trajectory of where I'm going. If you don't, then you'd be rating probably lower on that. Uh, work, career, and mission. Uh, if you're working, you just have a job, it's probably going to be lower because it's not satisfying to you. 
Uh, if you're on a career, it might be higher. If you're on a mission, it would be even higher. But how do you feel about your work career and your finances? Are you that again on finances? It's not just okay. We're getting through. You know, we we we, we can save a little bit and got to start putting some money into retirement and we get through. Uh, it's not talking about that. Do you have all sufficiency in all things that you may bound to every good work? Are you in control of your money or is in your, your money in control of you? Do you just stupidly spend uh, uh, when you don't have it or if you do have it because you stupidly spend? I mean, so, so everybody, I'm going to go to the next slide. Has everybody pretty much got their little things marked out? Because I'm going I'm to show a picture on the next one. All right, so here is for you. You don't have to show it to me. Uh, here's one we, I had the girls just do a random coloring. They chose a color that I could barely see. Um, but everybody see that color okay? Yeah. There's certain colors I can't see. Um, in, in fact, when I turn around here, I can't even tell where it is at all. Okay, you see how in this example, it's all, you know, one's going way out, one's going halfway. Okay, see how it's like that? Now imagine this circle, the will of your life. How, how, how's the will of your life? How, how's your traveling going to be? I mean, you're going to be jarred all over the place, right? This is how people are living because they're strong in some areas, they're weak in other areas, they're believing God, they're unwilling to do what it takes to get there. It's a battle. They have no hope for this area. Their will is driving them in that area, and they don't bring this balance into Christ to find rest in Him. Now, I redid it, or had it redone, and I put it in a bar graph. What if that was the road of life? How far are you going to get? This is where it comes down to is our hope is in Christ. Jesus came and died for us that we might be whole, that we might be, um, that life should not be a struggle. It should be balanced out more. Now, probably not everything is going to be a straight line or, or you know, a, a perfectly round uh, because there's, a, there's areas that interest us more than other areas. But we shouldn't be trying to walk through life on a road that look like that. And if I, there's only seven areas, all I have to do is even out my areas. See, we're trying to get God to do something. He wants to take us someplace. He's got it all planned out. But we won't deal with us because we're driven. We, you know, I don't know which ones they have high and low. We have finances, they got really low. Because I'm spending everything in it. Has anybody here ever been broke at least one day in your life? It's kind of frustrating. It's, and the telephone rings and you're kind of like, because you know it's somebody calling, wanting money that you don't have. I was in collections for 10 years. I didn't realize how much it affected me. I... I didn't make a conscious decision of this, but I didn't realize how much it impacted me that everybody lies. I put the check in the mail today. You should have it by um, Friday or Saturday. And then they won't answer the phone the next week when it hasn't come. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were just getting that written out. But you told me you put it in the mail. Well, we were going to put it in the mail, but you said you put it in the mail. See, we, we, we've all lived on that. If you've ever been in a bad relationship, probably nobody here has ever had a bad relationship, right? That's miserable. I'm trying to believe God. How much, how much of your life, of your, your encompassing thoughts, does a bad relationship weigh on you? And we all know it's the other person's fault, right? <laughs> no, we created our lives. We, we created what we're, we're walking through. If uh, your mind, your will, and your emotion, if you're constantly defaulting back into a, a thought process of, I can't, it doesn't work, nothing works for me, and, and we create a struggle within our mind, God doesn't want us to live this way. He's given us the hope. There's an expected end for all of us. That expected end, the blueprint on that thing was drawn before the foundation of the world. And God was, was ready to, uh, to enact it the day that we were born. 
yes, life happened and we made decisions and we had parents and we had school teachers and we had all the different things that, that impacted us. But Jesus stands ready to bring it all together. It's am I willing to do what it takes on my end to walk in what he said to do?